Welcome back to my podcast, Coffee with Kim. Thank you for joining me today. It's always a pleasure when you join me and spend time with me. Remember, this is a time where you can grab your coffee or your tea or whatever you have in your cup, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. So today, I'm going to talk a bit about mental health, but I'm going to do it from a different perspective. Um, I want to talk or interview someone um, I've known for many years now who actually grew up uh, with a parent who suffered from mental health issues. And so um, I feel like, you know, this mental health is a buzzword. It's something that we're really dealing with today in our society. Um, We've been dealing with it for a while now, but I think the pandemic brought a lot of it out for a lot of people. But there are some of us who have dealt with this for a long time. And for a long time, we didn't know what it was. I remember having a cousin who had mental health issues. He was actually schizophrenic. And we did not know. We just thought he was funny, that he just talked to himself, laughed and danced and, you know, made fun. We had no idea that he was suffering from mental health issues. So I just want to uh, introduce a very special person to me. And I know I always say that. (laughs) I always say this is a very special person. But trust me, this is a very special person to me. My dear sister, uh, Jackie Seals. I've known Jackie for some time now. Long time. She's a member of my church. And from the time I've met her, I promise you, she has been just a special person and a blessing to me and my family. So, you know, Jackie, welcome to Coffee with Kim. Thank you, Cole. Please forgive me because I am at work and you may hear some outside noise, but I'm so glad to hear be here and thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. And we we don't mind those passing bys or the cars and all those things that may happen. Because guess what? We are out here living real life. You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) That is a okay. So Jackie, I've been wanting to um, invite you to my show um, for some time now. But really, for a couple reasons, so trust me, you will be back because there's another subject matter that we need to talk about, okay? (laughs) But today, we are going to talk about growing up in a home with a parent who suffered from mental health issues, from illness, actually. Um, Thank you for being so open and, and willing to talk to us about this today. You know, and I think I got this idea from, uh, there was a a conference that I spoke at once and it was a conference about um, cancer awareness. And uh, the uh, host of the the conference asked me to be the main speaker. And I was thinking, how can I speak to cancer? I've never had it. But she wanted me to talk about it from being a child who grew up in a home with a parent who suffered from cancer and what my experiences were. And so I thought, wow, you know, what a different perspective to talk to someone who actually grew up in a home with a parent who did suffer from mental health illness. So, Jackie, let me ask you a few questions. Mm-hmm. Um, first, just tell us just a, a, a little bit about yourself, um, where you grew up, you know, that type of thing. You have siblings. Were you from a, uh, a two-parent home, single-parent home? Just give us a little information about you, Jackie. 
Um, first of all, Cole, yes, um, I did grow up in a home uh, where my mother was bipolar, uh, paranoid, um, and my stepfather was schizophrenic. So um, both of my parents that I grew up with um, suffered. Um, I am the oldest, um, and I, as the, I, I joke all the time that I grew up in chaos, so I'm able to operate in chaos, mm-hmm. function in chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a brother and a sister on my mom's side. My biological father, I did not meet him till I was like 21 or so, and I am the oldest of 10 on his side. Wow, 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 that's interesting. That is interesting. And what is also interesting is the fact that you grew up in a home where both parents, you know, it's your stepdad, but apparently he was a dad to you. Yes. Um, were mm-hmm. uh, had mental health illness. Wow, yes. that I did not know that. You know, we've Yes, and my dad, I did not know he wasn't my dad until I was about 16. Wow. You know, we we are probably from that era um, where our parents you know, they believe that those were the best things to do. I, I can't really say always that that's always the best way to handle situations like that, but that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> okay. But I mean, first of all, just finding out that this was not your, your biological father, I'm sure that that had a, a big impact on you. Yeah, yeah, it did because... I found out through one of my cousins, we were playing and um, they felt the need to tell me. It wasn't like um, my mom sat me down and said, okay, we got to tell you that this is not your dad. You know, wow. My cousins on my stepfather's side um, is, is who told me through the game that we were playing. Wow. You know, kids can be cruel. That's one thing yeah. I learned <laughs> over the yeah. years. So let me ask you this. How or when did you discover that your mother was uh, mentally ill? So when I was about 15, 16 years old, um, I got up in the morning, I believe, and I was looking for my mom. You know, she was very... um, nurturing so she would get up and fix us breakfast and get us ready for school and you know do all the things that moms do mm-hmm. and I couldn't find her in the house and I went in her room and she was in her closet on the floor with a knife wow and I knew something was wrong right so I just called my aunts to say you know something's wrong can you guys come? So did your aunts know that your mom had a mental illness? I would think that's probably the first time she ever did a 72-hour hold, you know, actually needed to be hospitalized. I don't remember um, any time before that that she actually needed to be hospitalized. So you never saw any signs, anything different, strange, out of the ordinary that your mom did 
that maybe made you kind of, I mean, you were 15, 16. So, right. you know, what do we know at that age? You know, how we right. grew up is how we grew up. What was normal in our homes was normal. So I, I get how that could be. Um, I have a friend who, uh, whose mother uh, had a, uh, has a mental illness and she told me that she and her sibling were like school age when it was discovered because she said her mom uh, got on the freeway in the car. She pulled over and got them, she and her sister out of the car and mm. told them that there was someone listening in and they had to get out of the car. And they were two children and a woman walking on the 17th. Wow. And um, she said that's when her life changed. Now, her yeah. life went a different direction, you know, as far as um, how she lived after that. But as far as you're concerned, when um, your mom was put on that 72-hour hold, what were you thinking? What was going on in your mind at that point? Well... At first, it was really uh, disruptive for me because in all of my mother's mental illness, she still worked for 30 years, right, wow. um, for um, a well-known aircraft company. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, and so when this is happening for the first time, I'm not really understanding, although I have an amazing um, supportive, extended family. Mm. So I had an aunt that was like a mother to me. And my mother for years told us, even as little kids, she would tell us, you know, if anything ever happens to me, I want you to have at least one aunt. So you find you one wow. that you really get along with, you know, don't just think, you know, it's just me. So mm. I had one aunt who was an RN. Um, okay. And she and her other sisters, you know, would come. So I, w I was scared, uh, but I was old enough that, you know, and, I, and very well. And so my aunts were um, really, really uh, supportive. So they would come and they would give me like chores and things to do. And they would check, you know, did we have grocery and they would get her bills and make sure her bills were paid. And they would tell me, you know, especially until the weekend, you know, okay, this is what we're going to need to do. And then they call me, you know? And so even though uh, my mom was in the hospital, um, they would check in on me. And then early Saturday morning, they'd be knocking on my door and then they, you know, clean the house, wash the clothes, do whatever. But like to make it through that week while they were at work, you know, I would have to call by a certain time and I would get my kid, my brother up and my sister and get them to school and make sure they got home and stuff like that. So it felt a little weird, but um, my mom had prepared me at that point in life. You know, I, I knew what I was doing. That is amazing. And it really reminds me a lot of myself, but of course, for a different reason, my mom had cancer. And when she got sick, it was kind of like I had to take over. Yeah. You know, I had to become this little mini adult and make sure that things got done. 
You yeah. know, there was no question about it. So tell me about your your stepdad. So what was going on with him? Did you know prior to your your mom having a mental uh kind of break, if you will, had your stepdad had anything happen like that prior to? Yeah. So I'm thinking that maybe their domestic violence, you know, the the abuse, um, probably even triggered her bipolar. You know, I'm not sure, but I would say that um, my mom and dad would get in these really horrific um, physical fights. And we just thought, it was kind of like what you were saying about your family member, you know, we just thought he was mean. You know, I didn't know that he was schizophrenic, right? It wasn't the kind of schizophrenic where he just sit up here and start talking to, you know, his name was, well, maybe we shouldn't say his name, but, (laughs) you know, but it wasn't like, let's say his name was David or something. We just going to change it, right? And then all of a sudden he just starts talking to Joe. No, no, no. It wasn't like that. You know, he would hear voices though. Right. Mm. And then when he hears those voices, for example, I remember sitting at dinner one day um, before my mom, before I found out about my mom and um, she had washed the dishes and we were done eating and um, we were about to get up and wash the dishes. And something in his mind said that she was mad at him and he just got up and went in a room and just started beating her in the face, you know. Wow. We were just sitting there eating dinner, you know? So it's, you know, of course, you know, they separated and he moved out the house, but it was, my mom still was, was very loving of him because she wanted us to have a parent. And so eventually he did get to the hospital and he did, um, they would give him medication. And I'll never forget when he first got the medication they gave him some type of drug, and I, I don't remember the name. I want to say Thorazine or something like that, but it was very, very strong. And it was so strong that he walked around like, like with his head down and kind of sluggish. And every now and then he would drool because he just couldn't feel. He was numb. He was wow. like a zombie, you know? Yeah. And, and it, that's not uncommon to see people um, who have been diagnosed with some type of men- mental illness. And when they get placed on medication, you know, they have to figure out they what the right dose is. And so sometimes I guess, you know, maybe if they have like a, a huge um, some type of outbreak or something that um, they will just give them the strongest dose they can, you know, to kind of tone them down and then try to, you know, figure it out as they go. So. Wow, I know that was hard to watch. So not only did you deal with um, mental illness, you know, dealing with a parent, but geez, you also dealt with domestic violence. Yes. Wow. Yes. That was a lot growing up. Yes. A lot growing up. So let me ask you this. How did your siblings, I know you said you're the oldest. Uh I can identify with that. But how did your siblings, you know, deal with that? Um, For one, they really depended on me a lot. Like when something was going on in the house, they would look to me like, okay, what do we do? You know, Um, I would say that my brother 
felt like it was my mom's fault that we experienced so much trauma through the domestic violence part. So to the day my mother passed, my brother stopped calling my mom, mom. He just started calling her by her first name, you know, and he moved away. Both my sister and my brother live out of state, you know, but once my brother was old enough to move away and be on his own, then that's what he did, you know, because he felt like, uh, my mom should have, um, been quicker about getting my dad out of the home. Gotcha. Gotcha. Wow. That's something I, I, you know, whenever there's trauma or something like the like in a home growing up as a child, you know, it has an effect, you know, on each child if there's more than one so differently. So, you know, with me being the oldest, when my mother um, got sick, I became the caregiver for my siblings and, you know, they didn't really know the difference because they were really young. My sister was two when it first started and my brother was six. And by the time our mother passed away, she was only 32 years old. By the time she passed away, they were seven and three. So they were still very, very young. So they didn't understand all the things that I saw and I witnessed and I had to deal with. So I totally identify with being the oldest and having to just, you know what, strap on those boots and getting the job done. Yeah. I get that. I totally get that. So it seems like you had a really supportive family, which is really good because sometimes, you know, when mental mental health or mental issues, you know, take notice in a family, sometimes people tend to shun away because they're not really, they don't really know what's going on. Or even that person can have behaviors that are, that could cause people to be fearful, you know? And so, you know, it was good that your auntie stepped in and kind of kept the house going. The amazing part was that they, you know, they just kept the life moving as it was. They didn't let you guys, you know, sometimes people don't let you have a chance to fall apart. Yeah. You know, and I know with me in my situation, I didn't have a chance to fall apart. You know, it was too much to do. Right. So it sounds like the same thing with you. It was too much to do to fall apart. Absolutely. You know, and so I think that's an amazing thing that, and I'm pretty sure, let me stop here. Let me pause here. I'm pretty sure that everything that you experienced is part of who you are today. Let me just say, (laughs) let me just say, you know, I I work for social services, you know, um, I, I, I'm a minister and we could just go on and on. It's who I am today. Wow. Mm -hmm. I heard this, this amazing minister Preach this sermon called There's Purpose in Your Dysfunction. <laughs> I've been cured ever since. <laughs> You've been cured ever since? <laughs> I think I cured myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That is great. 
Okay, so you know what, Jackie, we're gonna stop here and 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 go ahead and have a commercial. Okay. But you know, I have so many more questions and I'm pretty sure we're not gonna be able to get to them all, but I'll just kind of filter through the ones that I think are most important. Okay. But thank you again. We're going to a commercial right now. Do you have a business, brand, or even a creative idea? Power Media Network can help you design a strategy to make your brand impactful. Visit www.powermedianetwork.com today to schedule a free consultation. Power Media Network, next level media. Okay, we are back from our commercial and I'm back. If you just joined us um, on Coffee with Kim, the podcast, I am interviewing uh, Jackie Seals who experienced mental health from a different perspective. She grew up in a home with two parents who um, were experiencing mental health issues. And when we started this, I didn't know it was two parents. Yes. So now to know that you dealt with two parents, man, I have so much more respect for you. It's just amazing. But I have a question for you. What were some of your coping skills when dealing with um, your mother and your father's highs and lows? And where did you learn those coping skills? When I think about coping skills, um, there is one that comes to mind quickly is um, when you're having a good day, have a good day. Acknowledge the day. Because you never know when you're going to have a really bad day. So if you're having a good one, and even those bad ones, to kind of take something good out of even that bad day so that you can function. And where did I get that from? I can't really um, say that someone taught me that. I can just say that it was my way of survival. Like I would say to myself, you know, today there was no explosion. There was no fight. There was no, um, I made it to school on time and, you know, it was a peaceful day, you know? So um, I know that is definitely one. Another thing is um, if there was a bad day, like say my mom did have to go to the hospital. I learned to, I do remember somebody saying to me, she's at the hospital now so you can rest. And I think that um, that's something that, you know, children or family members who have, um, you know, family with mental illness, they're still worrying and they're running up to the hospital and visiting and bringing them clothes and, you know, uh, still trying to be family while they're in the hospital. When in reality, that's your time to rejuvenate yourself because they coming out. Oh my God. Wow. I'm, I'm speechless right now. Honestly, that was huge. Now it's your time to rest. Yeah. It's not your time to be going to visit and do all that. I think it's better 
um, for you to go ahead and get your rest. Like for me, like I said, I had family members that also helped. So yes. when my mom was in the hospital, then they would go see her and I would be recovering. That's amazing. That's amazing. People need to hear that. Yeah. People need to hear that. That is an amazing coping mechanism. You know, it's, it's something people need to hear and not just about dealing with folks with mental health issues, but just a, a, a number of other things, you know, when that person is away, you yeah. know, now it's time to rest. Now it's time to refuel, re to gather yourself again, you know, to get yourself ready yeah. for whatever it is that you're going to have to deal with when that person returns. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. You said a mouthful. So Jackie, you know, we, <clears throat> we understand that mental health illness and health in general results from both genetics and environment, mm -hmm. but really in most cases, we don't inherit the illness mm -hmm. itself, but we do inherit the predisposition mm -hmm. to develop it. Has there ever been a time that you felt like, hmm, I wonder if this is something I'm going to deal with myself. And I'll, ask, I'll tell you why I asked that question. Because when I was young, when I first got married, a lot of things that um, I had or happened to me or I did resembled some of the things that happened or my mother did. And, and even around the same age. So when those things were happening, you know, the enemy plays with your mind. Mm -hmm. When those things started happening, when I started, you know, turning 30 and I turned 31. And honestly, because my mother suffered from age 31 and passed away at 32, in my mind, I already felt like, yeah, this is pretty much going to be the way, you know, I leave here mm -hmm. the same way she did. Mm -hmm. Even some of the 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 illness that she had it wasn't I didn't have cancer or anything but some of the things that she dealt with in her body I had started dealing with in my body as well and I I really felt like I may not make it past 32 and um I remember on my 33rd birthday I was just so happy and people were like why are you excited about a 33rd birthday you know that's that's not one of those, you know, birthdays like fiftieth. And I said, you just don't understand. My mother didn't live past thirty-two, so now I know that I'm okay. Right? Did you ever have a time where you felt like, hmm, I wonder if I may, you know, have something going on? Well, when I look back on it, um, I must say that you know how people say um, kids are sponges. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you're a sponge to someone who's schizophrenic or you're a sponge to someone who's paranoid, bipolar, then you're soaking up what you see them do. Wow. So when I had situations like I remember, I don't know, being maybe 18 or something like that, and I had a car. And my car got repossessed because I lost my job 
And I was working like as a PBX operator, something like that. And I thought that was like a big time clerical. I'm in the office job. You know, I wasn't working at McDonald's or nothing like that. So so when I lost my job and then uh, my mom would say, you better go get you a job at McDonald's, Burger King, anything you got to do to get you a job so you could pay that car note. And she was trying to teach me a lesson to say that. Um, I'm not going to just pay it for you. You have to stand on your own two feet. So she didn't pay it. The car got repossessed. So of course, at 18 years old, I got depressed about it. Well, depressed means I should kill myself. Wow. So I did what I seen my mama do. You know, I took a gang of pills. A wow. And I'll never forget the ambulance driver coming to pick me up and they asked me why I did this and I explained it to them and they slapped me. What? They slapped me because I was falling asleep. The med- Oh, okay. It was so strong. But I think they also slapped me. <laughs> I said, that is not a reason to kill yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So... So I think that person just got that in. But anyway, uh, um, you know, so those are the type of things that I um, and then there were other things that I noticed as I was getting older uh, that I was more paranoid about. But I wasn't paranoid. I was just following the habits of my mother. This is how she operated. Like you you could come to my mom's house and my, my house when my mama lived, you know, she, uh-huh. you could eat off her floors, right? Yeah. We just was immaculate. I mean, our house was immaculate, right? But every time somebody would want to come over, she would be very upset because mm. she just kept thinking the house was filthy. Wow. Filthy. Every time somebody comes, she'd be like, y'all got this messy out. You know, to this day, to this day, I still struggle. Yes. When somebody says they're going to come to the house, I... <laughs> right, right. You know? And I could have just got through cleaning up. but Right. So that was some learned behavior. So it wasn't so much that you you developed a predisposition to, you know, one day become mentally ill, but some of that was learned behavior yeah. that you experienced. You saw it happen. And I mean, we're still kids, even though we've taken on this parent type role. You know, we're still kids, so we are still learning from our environment. So that that makes a whole lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Let me ask you this other question. Who did you go to for help, for advice? It sounds like you already answered that, really, for comfort, you know, while you were taking care of your mom. Uh, you, we talk, you know, they have this thing now. Everybody has a person. You know, who was your person? Well, the reason why I went to my aunts and uncles is because I did not want my mom to say that I didn't do the right thing while she was sick Hmm. because she would hold that against me, you know, especially as, you know, as we started to understand the illness, I would always be the one that had to take her to the hospital. So if I was going to handle some of her personal business or, you know, Whatever I had to take care of, I'd run it by my uncles and aunts first. Mm-hmm. But I also had cousins that are like sisters to me who, okay. you know, I would call and say, can you come run with me to the hospital with her? Or, you know, or when I get back from the hospital, I could vent to. Yes, yes. 
And that's so good, you know, because sometimes we can just operate in a silo when we have something because, you know, I mean, you could have thought of that as something so personal, so embarrassing or whatever could have been going through your mind as it relates to your mom. Because, you know, back then, you know, it wasn't like mental health um, uh, uh, education is big now. But back then it's like, you know, let's just take them to the hospital and give them some medicine. And, you know, maybe there wasn't as as much counseling and and all the things that go on now you know, to help people with mental health or education, really, because really that person who is struggling or dealing with that illness, they need to be educated about what's happening to them, even educated about the medication that they're taking, the side effects, what'll happen, what they may experience, you know. And so, you know, back then probably didn't happen the way it happens today, you know. So it's it's good that you had the wherewithal to have a person, have a, a, a person that you could, you know, talk to, vent to, because I can only imagine that you had a lot to vent about. Yeah. Because, you know, it almost seems like it it kind of erases just a little bit of, of your childhood because now you have to step into this adult role. Yeah. And, you know, Cole, I want to add to um, that, Another coping mechanism that I had to accept is this is the mother, the father that God gave me, period. So if she come up to my job manic and acting a fool, if she is at the church house, you know, uh, manic, or if she's in public somewhere, that's my mama. Mental health and all. She still took care of me. She was still, I mean, I couldn't ask for a better mother. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to be ashamed of her illness no more than I would be if she was diabetic or she had high blood pressure. Wow. What a healthy way of looking. Uh, that's a an amazingly healthy outlook. You know, most people don't think like that. Most people, especially at that age, at that time. You know, so that that's probably that outlook that you had is probably one of the things that helped you get through. Yeah. (laughs) So we're going to start bringing this podcast to an end. But I have a couple questions for you, Um, not even dealing with or you can answer them as it relates to, you know, what you've experienced as um, a young adult on up to, um, you know, your mother. I know your mom passed away. Um, What? Do you wish your younger self knew that you know now? I wished that I would have known that the times that mental illness separated me and my mom, that I would not have allowed those separations because there were times when um, after, see, after my mom would get better, let's say she get out of the hospital. I was the one who generally speaking, I was the one who took her to the hospital. Um, so she would be angry for a good three to maybe three weeks to maybe two months at me. Okay. Because she experienced all that she experienced in the process of going to the hospital. Sure. 
right? It's traumatic, uh, yeah. So she would be mad at me and saying mean things to me until she settled down, until her mind gets all the way back right. Because my mom would have a, a episode, um, maybe, let's say if she had an episode in 2005, she may not have another episode to th- 2015. Oh, wow. All those okay. years, we're fine. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So um, when that episode does take place for those two months or so afterwards, she's angry and bitter and mean. And, you know, mm. and so I would have to cut myself off and say, you know, I know I did the best I could. I asked everybody around me to make sure I was doing the right thing. And so sometimes I would say, well, I'm not talking to you. you know? mm. But if I could tell my younger self, I would, you know, now that I've been through it, you know, mm-hmm. I would say, you know what, it's not necessary for you to cut yourself off. Why don't you take a break today and check in tomorrow? Okay. Okay. That's, that's some good advice to your younger self. But of course, when we are our younger self, we, <laughs> we don't have that type of wisdom, <laughs> you know, but, uh, Now, I think about things like that because I think about the fact that maybe I didn't know certain things when I was younger, but I do know them now. So now I feel the obligation to share them with younger people yeah, so that they don't have to experience and go through some of the same things, you know, that maybe I went through, you know, or not as long as I went through it, you know, or not as as much as I went through it because we all have to have our own experiences, you know, which is true. And the last thing I want to ask you, and, and I want to thank you again for being here and just being so open and, and, and candid and transparent. What do you know for sure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I know for sure is God was there all the time. Wow. That's what I know yes. for sure. No yes. doubt. I was never alone. I was yes. never alone. Yes, yes. He was there yeah, he was for sure. there the whole time. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with me today, Jackie. I really do. Like I said, I appreciate, you know, your candidness and your openness and being transparent, you know, and your respect, your respect for your family, for your mom and her memory. And the fact that Regardless to what you experienced with her when she was having an episode, you really and truly did know that she was a great mom. And so, you know, for those of you who are listening today, I hope this podcast was helpful. I know there are some people out there who also have grown up with domestic violence, with mental health issues, dealing with a parent, um, an ill parent. Um, You know, I hope our podcast today just kind of shined a light on the fact that there is hope. There is hope and you will get through it. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you the next time. Until then, you take care and you stay safe.